morning, everyone. Thank you, Jerrica, for doing the intro to the service. Sounded great. And we're going to stand together and sing Hope of the Nations. I know we've done this one um, more recently, but it's got really great words, goes good with the sermon, and it's a, a good reminder uh, the week after Easter that Jesus rose from the dead, conquered fear, and he's our Prince of Peace. So let's stand and sing together.
grasp the heights of your plans for us to sun change from the dawn of time that will echo down through eternity and by grace we'll stand on your promises and by faith we'll walk as your walk with us speak oh lord till your church is built and the earth is filled with your glory <clears throat> these two words I mean, these two songs, to me, always go together. Because that one talks about, speak, O Lord, um, to us. And then the next one is ancient words, which is really how Jesus speaks to us and what he is. He is the word, the word of God. So um, the next one is ancient words. Ancient words. 
Thank you for your singing. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to our Sunday service this morning. Sunny, sunny Sunday service. A little breezy, but still sunny. Uh, so it's great to see you all here. Uh, yeah, those songs were pretty good, and it's interesting to hear, you know, ancient words, and yet they still, you know, are still obviously very rele relevant and, and resound today. You know, after after thousands of years, they're they're ancient, but they're still still pure and true. So that's critical stuff. Anyways, if you guys would like to follow along and read with me the call to worship in your bulletins this morning, there is one spelling error I checked on before I came up here, and the word is kneel, not keel. <laughs> so, so as we're reading that, please use the word kneel. Uh, it's from Psalm 95, verses 6 and 7. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, another Sunday, another glorious chance that we can come here and, and fellowship together and, and praise and worship you, Lord, that you so deserve. Uh, we just thank you for, for spring and for the, for the renewal and, and, and the refreshing uh, new life that it will bring, Lord. We just pray, you know, as we get as farmers get ready and, and we get ready to, uh, you know, to sow our gardens and to get our crops in the ground stuff, Lord, that you will give us uh, the rains we need and the moisture we need to, to be able to do that and along with the sunshine and all that. So we just uh, praise you for spring and we look forward to that and we just want to give this service over to you this morning to praise you and, and to hear what Pastor Glenn has to say to us this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. have your Bibles or your phones turn into 1 Thessalonians uh, 2, chapter 2, verses 13 to 20. 1 Thessalonians 2, 13 to 20. And we also thank God continually because when you receive the word of God, which you hear from us, you accept it, not as the word of man, but as it is actually the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. For you, brothers, become imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. You have suffered from your own countrymen the same things those churches suffered from the Jews who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and also drove us out. They displease God and are hostile to all men in their efforts to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. In this way, they always heap up their sins to the limit. The wrath of God has come upon them at last. 
But brothers, when we are torn away from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing we made an every effort to see you. For we want to come to you, certainly I, Paul did, again and again. But Satan stopped us. For what is our hope, our joy, and our crown in which we glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and our joy. May God add blessing to the reading of his word. Larry, let's uh, just ask God's guidance as we look into this passage. Lord, as this passage says, that uh, it is not the words of men, it is the words of God, what we're looking at here today. And help us, Lord, just to open ourselves to what you are saying. And Lord, what, what I say, may that be exactly what you would once said this morning as we expound this passage. So Lord, give us all open hearts and ears to hear what it is you're saying to us. We pray in your name. Amen. That is the gospel truth, meaning that is something that is undeniably true, gospel truth. The term originated in the 1300s in Western Europe when it was used to refer to something that was as true as the biblical gospel, uh, which back then was pretty much universally accepted in Western Europe as absolute truth. And at first it was just referred to more strictly biblical truths, but over the centuries, and particularly in the 1800s, it came to be used for truth in general. So when someone wants to say, whether it's biblical or not, but if something is absolutely true, they will use that term. Boy, that, that's the gospel truth. I was thinking about that, and I was realizing that if there is anything that is under attack in our society today, it is the truth. Someone has described it like this. The very amount of information that computers make available to us threatens us with cognitive overload. Overwhelmed with facts, people tend to mistake data for truth, knowledge for wisdom. With a mindset Fixed on information, our attention span shortens, we collect fragments, and we become mentally poorer in overall meaning. And so truth has become a relative and a subjective thing. There is no absolute truth. There is no absolute truth. What is true is very dependent on circumstance, 
on geography, on our feelings. <laughs> you can never pin it down. Someone has quipped, there's no crooked politician. There is never a lie because there's never any truth. <laughs> and that's about the way it is. But fortunately, despite all the deniers, that original phrase still is still true. The gospel truth. The gospel as presented in the scriptures is the truth. It's the gospel truth. We're continuing our study through the book of 1 Thessalonians this morning. We took a break from it for the Easter season. We're back in it today. Just by a quick review, by way of quick review. Uh, this church at Thessalonica was started by the Apostle Paul along with uh, Silas and likely Timothy. They went to the Greek city of Thessalonica and they came from Philippi uh, where they had been beaten and imprisoned and then miraculously freed from prison. That story is in the book of Acts, chapter 16. Uh, and then they went and Acts 17 tells us, went on to Thessalonica. They started preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ in the Jewish synagogue there in Thessalonica. There are enough Jews in that Greek city of Thessalonica to start a synagogue, and so uh, that's where Paul began his preaching. And what he preached, his message that he preached was the gospel. That is, that Jesus was God coming as a human. He lived a perfect life and was crucified, and his death paid the penalty for the sin of the world. And then on the third day, he rose from the dead. And his resurrection, of course, conquered uh, sin and conquered death. And because of that, Jesus is able to offer forgiveness and cleansing for sins to everyone who will place their faith in him. Jesus is the promised Messiah of the Old Testament. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what it is. And that's what Paul preached in the Jewish synagogue there in Thessalonica. Well, some of the Jews in the synagogue believed, but most of them didn't. But a good number of the God-fearing Greeks believed and accepted Jesus, along with a number of the prominent women of the city. So, the result was that the unbelieving Jews stirred up a big fuss in the city, and they forced Paul and Silas and Timothy to leave the city of Thessalonica. So there was left there in Thessalonica a group of believers, but very new believers, still immature in their faith. A church, if you will, of new converts in the middle of a city that was by and large against them. And Paul was deeply concerned about their well-being and wondered if they could stay true to their faith in those circumstances. And after a short time, likely less than a year, Paul's concern got the best of him and... Uh, he sent Timothy back there to see how, how they were doing. And Timothy came back with a very favorable report that they were standing strong in their faith, that they were actually becoming very well known for their love and their commitment to their God. And that was just a huge joy for Paul to hear. And it caused him to write this letter to this church there in Thessalonica, this letter that we call First Thessalonians. The first three chapters of, of this book of 1 Thessalonians, Paul kind of is remembering and reminiscing about his time there in Thessalonica and reminding these believers of, of that time that they had together. The message that was preached 
and how they responded and how Paul and his companions conducted themselves in their love for these Thessalonians in that time they were there. We're kind of in the middle of that section of remembering and reminiscing. So today, chapter 2, verses 13 to 20 is where we're at. Passage that Larry read for us. As Paul is remembering their response to the message that was preached to them and realizing the depth of their response, he said some things in this passage about the gospel of Jesus Christ and the truth that it is and the implications of accepting it. Think that we would do well to remember and to take to heart and make part of our lives. So let's look at them. The gospel of Jesus Christ compels a response from all of us. And it does so because of the truths that are presented in this passage, 1 Thessalonians 2, 13 to 20. So three truths here that I, I see, there may be others, but the ones that I see and want to bring out. Number one, the gospel of Jesus Christ is to be accepted as the word of God. The gospel of Jesus Christ is to be accepted as the word of God. Verse 13, let's read. For this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. So Paul expressed a great gratitude to God for the fact that these Thessalonian believers, when they heard God's message, that is the gospel of Jesus Christ, they accepted it as God's word. They were convinced and they were convicted that the gospel message is God's message. It is God's word and they accepted it as such. They realized that this gospel message was not the word of men. <laughs> that it wasn't a teaching or a religious notion or a philosophy that was put together by a person or any group of people. And believe me, there was plenty of those going around in the ancient Greek and Roman world that these people would have been familiar with. The common belief, the common religious practices of the ancient Greek world, and then later on the ancient Roman world, uh, was that there were many gods. And seemingly, different cities had their own way or idea of what serving these gods looked like, or how to do it. There didn't seem to be any strict pattern. It seemed to vary from city to city. And so there were many different religious ideas in the ancient Greek and the ancient Roman world. Uh, Thessalonica was a Greek city, but was now under Roman rule at this time when Paul is, had visited there, now writing this letter. Uh, the Romans had conquered Greece, and the Roman Empire had become firmly established. But the Roman religion was very similar, and they often adopted a lot of the Greek the Greek religious and, and cultural practices. So these people were very familiar with the word of men when it came to religious ideas. Because they heard lots of them. But when they heard the gospel of Jesus Christ being preached by Paul and Silas and Timothy, they recognized, oh, this is different. This is no word of men. No human or group of humans could have come up with something like this and pull it off. A perfect man living a perfect life, being put to death, and then rising from the dead? All in fulfillment of the ancient prophecies given to the Jewish people? That's not the word of men. 
That is, that was the word of God. And so upon realizing that and becoming convicted of that truth, these people accepted the gospel as the word of God. And they placed their faith in Jesus and repented of their sin and accepted him as their savior. Because they were convinced that the gospel of Jesus Christ, which Paul and his companions preached to them, was the word of God. It was not the word of men. Friends, the gospel of Jesus Christ is not anything that any group of people have made up. You don't make up that kind of thing. Even if you do, humans do not have the power to pull off the events that make up the essence of the gospel, which is the death and resurrection of Jesus, which we celebrated last Sunday. Those events are supernatural events. They demand the power of God to accomplish. So that's how we know the gospel of Jesus Christ is the word of God and not the word of men. And if that's true then, it needs to be accepted as the word of God. You know, our society today, we like to lump all religions of the world into the same basket. Uh, this religion teaches that. That religion teaches that. They're all good intentioned. And they're all kind of the same. Or they, and they're all kind of, kind of equal. Maybe they all have different ways of saying and teaching the same thing. Maybe that's what it is. So each religion is then to be given the same value as any other religion. Christianity is just one of many. That's kind of the attitude of a lot of our society around us today. But that's not right. That is not right. There is a huge difference between Christianity and all other religions. Other religions are the word of men. That is, it's made up by humans. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the word of God proven by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if the gospel of Jesus Christ is the word of God, it needs to be accepted as such. As the word of God. God God's word, God speaking, God talking. This is God's doing. This is God reaching out to us as humans. This is God reaching out to you and I with a message that the penalty for our sin is paid for. That the victory over sin and death has been won for us. And we can be reconciled to God and cleansed and welcomed to, into his family for eternity. To be with him in heaven for eternity. That's what this all means. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is the word of God. And we need to realize that and accept it as the word of God. It is the gospel. And it is the gospel truth. Secondly, the gospel of Jesus Christ, once accepted, needs to be lived out. The gospel of Jesus Christ, once accepted, needs to be lived out. Let's read on. Verses 14 through oh, 16. For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are, in, that are in Judea. For you also endured the same sufferings at the hands of your countrymen as they did from the Jews, who both killed their Lord and Jesus and the prophets and drove us out. They are not pleasing to God, but hostile to all men, hindering 
us from speaking to the Gentiles so they may be saved. With the result that they always fill up the measure of their sins. But wrath has come upon them to the utmost. So let's think this through. By accepting the gospel as the word of God, these Thessalonians came under attack and under persecution because of the gospel they accepted as the word of God. And because of the faith they professed, they came under persecution. They endured suffering at the hands of those persecutors for no other reason than that they converted to Jesus Christ. They converted to Christianity. Paul says they were imitators of those churches in Judea, or, or Israel. Those Jews down in Israel who accepted Jesus as the Messiah, they endured persecution and suffering from their own countrymen, that is, the fellow Jews who rejected Jesus as the Messiah. And now in the same way, Paul says, these Thessalonian Christians were now enduring persecution and suffering from their own countrymen. They're imitators of those churches in Judea in that sense. Why were they being persecuted? Why were they suffering? Well, first, the suffering came from, or the persecution came from the Jews who rejected Jesus as the Messiah, those Jews in Thessalonica. And these people accepted Jesus as the Messiah. So because of the Jews' intolerance of what, in their interpretation of the Old Testament scriptures, they saw as, as any kind of heresy, uh, they went after these Christians, who in their view were espousing heresy, and persecuted them. And then also later on, they also endured persecution from their fellow Greeks and Romans. And they persecuted Christians for their own reasons. But this all came about because these Thessalonian Christians not only accepted the gospel as the word of God, but they lived it out. They put their faith into practice. Look back to the end of verse 13. That last phrase. Paul says, it's not the word of men, it's the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. The word of God performs its work in you who believe. When you recognize the gospel as the word of God and you accept it as such, and out of that acceptance you repent of your sin and place your faith in Jesus and submit your life to him, he indwells you in the person of the Holy Spirit and he gets to work in you and he starts changing you. Your faith becomes something that you live out. It isn't something that just happens in your head. And then you just keep on living and acting and speaking the same as always. No, it, it changes you. You now live to please your master, your savior. And out of love for him, you seek to please him. You obey him. That's what we saw. Those of us who were in the adult Bible class going through the book of John, Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. It's out of your love for Jesus your master, who you gave your life to, you live pleasing to him. You obey him. You share the gospel with others. Like he told us to. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. You seek to make disciples. You love others. You love your enemies. You stand up for righteousness. You stand up for the truth of the gospel. You obey the command of God in all areas of your life, in your relationships. 
in how you relate to fellow Christians, in how you relate to non-Christians, how you relate to your community, how you relate to those who make themselves your enemies, how you relate to your government, how you relate to your spouse, how you conduct your marriage, how you talk. <laughs> we could go on and on. There's teaching in the Bible about every one of those things. That if you are a Christian, you live it out and you live it out in accordance with these teachings. We could go on and on. You see, if these Thessalonian Christians would have kept their convictions to themselves and not said anything to anybody and not changed anything about the way they lived and acted and talked and related to others, they would not have been persecuted. Because who would have known? But because the gospel, when they accepted it, went to work in them and they lived it out, they shared it with others as the gospel truth. And urged others to accept it as well. They stood up for the truth of the gospel. They lived it out as God changed them. And so those who rejected the gospel started persecuting them. And they suffered because of their faith. But that didn't stop them. They kept on despite the persecution. They kept on despite the suffering. And the fact that they kept on despite the persecution and despite the suffering showed that their faith was real. They kept on living out their faith as God was changing them. Friend, the gospel of Jesus Christ, once accepted, it needs to be lived out. This isn't something you keep to yourself. If your faith is real, it'll change you. And that is something that comes out. That you live out. It's something that becomes noticeable to those around you. So the gospel of Jesus Christ, once accepted, needs to be lived out. And then thirdly, when the gospel of Jesus Christ is accepted and lived out, it's a source of hope and joy for all. It's a source of hope and joy for all. Verses 18 to 20. Uh, let's read those verses. For we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, more than once, yet Satan hindered us. For who is our hope? Or joy? Or crown of exaltation? Is it not even you? In the presence of the Lord Jesus that is coming? For you are our glory and joy. You can tell that Paul was just thrilled to death with the faith of these young Thessalonian Christians. They accepted the gospel of Jesus Christ as the very word of God. It was the gospel truth. They recognized it as such. Then they proceeded to live out their faith despite the persecution and suffering that it brought on them. And that proved that their conversions were real. And that thrilled Paul to no end. It brought to him a deep joy and exaltation. And Paul says, when Jesus comes back, when Jesus returns, what's going to be our crown of exaltation? What will it be that they can present to their Savior when he returns as they rejoice in their work for him. It's those Thessalonian Christians. They will be the crown of Paul and Silas and Timothy's work for God. And they can present when Jesus returns. There's such deep joy in Paul because these Thessalonian Christians accepted the gospel he preached to them and then lived it out. 
And because they have that shared hope of the return of Jesus, he rejoiced because these people would be his crown of exaltation at Jesus' return. And the truth from this is that the gospel, once it's accepted and lived out, is a source of deep joy, deeper than anything the world can give. That's what the Bible tells us. There's a joy that's unspeakable, full of glory. The world can't give that. And not only for us to accept it and live it out, but for others as well. It produces joy for others as well. For those, first of all, who share the gospel with us and pointed us to Jesus when we accept it. It's joy for them. And for those around us who watch us come to the faith and then live it out, it's a, it's, a joy, it's a source of joy for everyone. Something only the gospel can give. A couple of things in these verses, kind of by the way. First of all, verse 18. Um, Paul informed them that he wanted more than once to go back to Thessalonica to see them. And I'm sure it was a motive to make sure they're okay and to give them further grounding in their faith. But even though he wanted to, he sounds like he tried to more than once, he couldn't. For whatever reason he couldn't, because he said Satan stopped him. Somehow Satan stopped him. We're not told how Satan stopped them, But it is clear that Paul knew that whatever it was, uh, the work of Satan was involved in it. Satan is always involved in any attempt to try to stop the spread of the gospel. So it is clear from these verses, and you put it all together, that there's two forces at work here. There's the work of God in spreading the gospel, and then there's the work of Satan trying to stop it. That's the battle. That is the battle. That is the spiritual warfare we are always in. We have the command of our head, Jesus Christ, to preach the gospel and make disciples. And we have the assurance from the same Jesus that he will be with us and he'll give us the power we need in carrying that out. On the other hand, we have the forces of Satan that's trying to hinder that. <coughs> Excuse me. He throws up obstacles to make things hard, to make things difficult, to throw a monkey wrench into the gospel going forward. But if you look at the whole picture here, as this passage shows, Satan may, may succeed in stopping us here and there in our plans or in our attempts. But on the grand scale, the gospel of Jesus Christ wins. It always wins in the grand scale. Satan managed to stop Paul from going back to Thessalonica. We're not told how he did it, but he managed to stop Paul from going back to Thessalonica. But he couldn't stop the gospel from being preached and from the gospel being spread and he couldn't stop the gospel from taking hold in the lives of those Thessalonian believers. So even though Paul couldn't go back there, when he did finally get a report about how they're doing, he finds out they're standing firm. That the work of the Holy Spirit had caught hold and the work was going on even though Paul couldn't go back there. So the gospel won. Satan is alive and well and at work in our world and he can make things difficult for us as Christians and he likely will. But as we keep on in our faith and keep on following our master, the gospel comes out victorious. And in the grand scheme, when all is said and done, the gospel wins because it's the word of God. It's the gospel truth. Let's remember that. And be encouraged by that.
Secondly, there's the allusion at the end of verse 19 to the coming of our Lord Jesus. And that's the return of Jesus Christ. He promised he was coming back to gather his disciples to himself. That is our sure hope. That is what we're looking forward to. That sure hope is what keeps us going. That sure hope is another reason for the joy we're talking about here. The joy the gospel gives because it includes Jesus coming back for us, which is a great joy. Jesus' return was something Paul, in all of his writings, all everything he wrote in the New Testament, he always makes mention of it. That is what he was looking forward to. That was what he was working toward. That is what he preached all over the place, that Jesus is coming back. That's part of the gospel message. Jesus came, he died, he rose again, he ascended to heaven, and he's coming back. That's the gospel message. Let's not forget that part of the gospel when we share it with others, that he is coming back. It's a vital part of the gospel. Jesus is coming back. But the main tenor of these last three verses is just that supernatural joy and hope that comes with the gospel. When you accept it and live it out, it brings that joy and that hope in the return of Christ. And not only to you, but also to those who share the gospel with you, also to those who are around you and see the gospel being lived out in you. For the most part, those who reject it might persecute you. <laughs> but a lot of times people say that, look at you as you live out the gospel, they say, wow, that's, where do I get some of that? When the gospel of Jesus Christ is accepted and lived out, it's a source of joy and hope for all. So therefore we see from this passage the truths that compel a response from us when we hear the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ is to be accepted as the word of God because that's what it is. It isn't the word of man. It's the word of God. And because of that, it should be believed and accepted. Secondly, the gospel of Jesus Christ, once accepted, needs to be lived out. This isn't something that just happens in your head. And stays there as a private thing between you and God. And makes no difference to the rest of your life. No, you know, it gets in you and it changes you and it comes out as you live it out and it affects others. If it doesn't, you have to wonder how sincere the conversion is. And then thirdly, when the gospel of Jesus Christ is accepted and lived out, it's a source of hope and joy for all. Hope in Jesus' return. Joy that it is supernatural in having the Holy Spirit within you and accepted into the family of God. A great joy. Well, no preaching of the word of God does any good if we don't make it personal. Where are you in all of this? Where am I? This is the gospel truth, friends. This is the gospel truth. Do you understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the word of God? And have you accepted it as such? If so, are you living it out? Is the joy there? Are you living in the hope? 
of Jesus' return. Let's take our time of silence. Just open your heart to what God may be saying to you personally this morning. Amen. Music team, please. Let's stand and sing together. Uh, It's an old hymn called Look to Jesus, or otherwise known as Come Ye Souls Afflicted, which talks is the story of the gospel.
singing. Thanks, music team. So, praise and prayer time. Anybody have anything that you would like to praise God for or request prayer for? Let's pray. It's good to know, Lord God, that uh, we can just bring these requests to you and, and, and leave them there because we know that you are our God, our great and mighty God. And that uh, you have the power to do what needs to be done in every situation that we face. And you have the wisdom. And Lord, it's a, it's a balance that we, whether we walk. Uh, on the one hand, we live in a fallen world, in a sin-stained world where things happen, diseases happen, sickness happen, death happens. Uh, things go wrong. And uh, that's the kind of world we live in, as long as... Uh, we are under the effects of sin. That's what it's going to be. And uh, there will come a time when you will remove that. We know that day is coming when you return. But in the meantime, that's the world we live in. And that's the world that we have to walk through. But Lord, you give us the strength. And there are times and probably many times where you step in and you work things out behind the scenes that we maybe don't even realize and that you bring out the result that you desire and you work it out for good and what happens isn't good but you can work it out for good and so Lord we just bring all these things before you and leave them with you uh, I want to thank you, Lord, for allowing Corey's dad to go see his wife in the hospital. Uh, thank you for giving that opportunity. And uh, Lord, it seems so strange that we live in a world, at a time in our world, in our society, where, where that is such a, uh, such a, a big thing. It used to be very common to always go see your wife in the hospital. That never was an issue, but now in this world we're living in, it is. And, and he's looking forward to it when he can see her again. I don't know how long that'll be, but Lord, how I pray that uh, you would just uh, touch touch her with your healing hand and be with Corey's dad as he waits between visits. Give him the patience. Give him the strength to bear through this. And also, Lord, we think of the, the other request that Corey mentioned, this member of the Brighter Horizons family and some of the struggles going on in that church he attends. I know nothing about it, but Lord, you do. And, so, Lord, we just pray that you would uh, help him and that church uh, or just work through whatever it is that they need to work through. And uh, we'll be for them. And may they all seek your face and seek to walk with you and seek to do your will as they work through this. Lord, I want to pray in a special way for my brother Scott and his wife Colleen. I really pray, Lord, that uh, as she is waiting now, I pray that that you would... Just grant them your patience. Lord, I'm sure they are, are reeling as they try to figure out what's going on and, and what you are up to uh, and why this is happening the way it is. And uh, There's no easy answers for that. But Lord, I pray that you would help them just to look to you and place their faith in you and trust that you know what you're doing. And Lord, how I pray that uh, 
you could bring some sanity to our medical world and, and uh, Lord, that they would be able to do the surgeries that need to be done and, and not be so governed by a fear. And uh, Lord, that, that's how I see it anyway. I, I really pray, Lord, that you would just work in that situation. Lord, that you would cause us all to stop of, stop of all growth of whatever it is in her. Don't know if it's cancer or not, but uh, you know the fear. And uh, yeah, Lord, I just pray you'd undertake for them. Pray, Lord, for Olivia's papa as she travels to BC for work. I pray, Lord, that you would just be close to them, give them safety as they travel. Take your hand on them. And also, Lord, for uh, Penny's kids as they're coming home today from seeing their dad, I, I uh, thank you for the time they could have there. I pray, Lord, that would have been a good time and a positive time. And I pray you'd give them safety as they come back home and as they come back to life here. I just pray you'd help those adjustments that are always there when they go back and forth like that. And uh, have your hand on them, we pray. Thank you that Dixie's home from the hospital. Thank you, Lord, that uh, she has improved enough for that to happen. Lord, I pray that... Uh, continued improvement for her, for Andrea as well, that you'd help her to continue to improve, just touch her with your healing hand too. And Lord, I also want to pray for uh, for Monica's mom, she's struggling with bone cancer, doctors have not given her long, and I, I just pray, Lord, that you'd be close to her during this time. Uh, I don't know if she knows you as Savior or not, but if she doesn't, Lord, that somehow she would hear the good news of the gospel, and open herself to it, and give herself to you. And Lord, I just pray you'd be with her physically, and Give her your strength. May she look to you for the comfort that only you can give. And it would be your will, Lord, that you can bring relief and bring healing. Lord, we want to pray for our government leaders again, as you've told us to do in your word. I pray you grant them your wisdom as they govern. And Lord, there's so much going on that uh, we just shake our heads at and we, we can see from your word that it's just not right. But Lord, they don't see that. Now I pray that you would Give them wisdom, give them good guidance, give them good advisors, give them Christian advisors. Help the Lord to be open to the truths of the gospel and the truths of what is right and what is wrong and govern accordingly. And uh, so, Lord, be close to them, we pray. Give them your wisdom. And uh, Lord, you think of our fellow Christians who are being persecuted for their faith around the world. And there's people being killed every day because they're Christians. Because of the faith they profess. And Lord, I pray you be close to those people in those areas, our missionaries that are serving in those countries. And Lord, may I, I, I just pray that somehow you would give them the strength they need to stand firm and that very strength of their stand would be a witness to all those around them and there be many people coming to know you as a result. Lord, I just thank you that we can be together. We can unite our hearts in prayer before you. We ask all these things in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Jeremy. Uh, if you just want to bow with me again, we'll give... Uh We'll give thanks for the, for the offering and, and for the blessings we're given. Heavenly Father, we just want to uh, 
uh, thank you for your, your provisions for each of us, Lord, and just thank you that we have the opportunity to, uh, uh, to return a portion of that back to you, to your work, and, and to your praise and glory, Lord. So we just uh, thank you for that opportunity and, and praise that you, pray that you will uh, bless these gifts that, uh, that are given to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Announcement time. So that is up there, not for my Twitter account or anything like that. That has to do with, hopefully, a very soon up-and-coming men's ministry that we want to get kick-started. So I asked Cam to put my, my email and cell phone information up there. So what I'm asking from, from you gentlemen is just a quick text or email or something, just just so I can get some feedback on what your guys' idea of uh, time commitment would be, whether, you know, once a week, once a, you know, twice a month, once a month, whatever. Just just see what kind of commitment you guys are thinking. And uh, and then also maybe even some uh, some activities that you'd like to see done, uh, what you'd, you know, what, you, what you'd like to see out of this ministry. Uh, so I, I'd just like some, uh, some feedback on that. And then we can... Uh, we can move forward with a plan and, and hopefully uh, start getting together as men and, and, and doing some stuff. So uh, there already is one, one thing kind of in the works already. Uh, we might be going down to, to camp and, uh, and possibly do, uh, you know, maybe do some work down there and then also have some fun as well as, as men. So that is in the works right now and there will be an, an additional announcement on that coming up shortly. But uh, so that's kind of where we're at with that. So I'd appreciate your feedback, guys, in the next uh, you know week or so or whatever, and uh, we will move forward. And uh, you know, there's obviously not everyone here, so maybe next week again we can uh, we can throw that up there again for anyone that is missing that info. Uh, and what else? This week, Tuesday, uh, ladies' Bible study at the church once again, seven o'clock. Friday will be youth, I believe. It's kicking up again. Uh, 7.30 here at the church, and of course next Sunday will be your typical uh, typical teen Sunday school adult Bible class and stuff. Uh, apparently that was on today, I think, but I'm not sure if... <laughs> I, I know we weren't sure if it was, so we didn't attend, but... So uh, next week, definitely for sure. Uh, coming up in uh, on the 21st of April is our monthly prayer meeting here at the church, and again, I would, in, I would certainly encourage those... Uh, uh, to come out to that, it's a it's a great uh, a great and meaningful time to uh, just to fellowship and, and to pray together. And also on the 25th, Seth Briggs will be here to uh, to give us a presentation with uh, with what's going to be happening at Manitou Lake this year. So we're looking forward to that, and hopefully uh, hopefully they can get some some normalcy back there, and maybe get uh, get some stuff going on there again this summer at the uh, at the camp. And also I want to mention about the janitors this morning. My family is up for this for this month and we've received a, a polite scolding this morning because we, we were neglectful in our duties this week. Not intentionally, of course, but it, it just it just kind of slipped by us. So uh, it's just a good reminder that, that we all, you know, we all have our, our part to do and to... Uh, you know commitments here to do so it's a good reminder of that and just just remember that you know if if you don't do it then it usually falls on someone else who who shouldn't have to do it for you so 
encourage everyone to, to get those janitor months signed up for and then we don't have to worry about it. Is there anything else? Oh, Larry. Okay, not sure if everyone heard that, but it sounds like Miller Bible, Miller College, Miller College of the Bible is. is okay, where Blake is at. Uh, it sounds like they're doing a, a play or some kind of presentation this this next weekend. Okay, online. So if you check out the website for for that school, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, then might be some good uh, some good entertainment there. Okay. Trivia question time, I think. Action and a drama. Go check that out. <laughs> now I feel like I need to apologize. I don't know who would have given you a gentle scolding, Jeremy. I don't know who, who would have done something like that, but. <laughs> Kids trivia question time. So, all you kids who did a trivia quiz, hand it in to some trusted adult in your life or in your church who can mark it for you. And uh, here are the answers. Answer number one, absolute. Question number two, First Thessalonians two thirteen to twenty. That was that was easy. Number three, answer is false. Number four, the answer is no. <laughs> Number five, the answer is no. Number six, the answer is suffering or persecution. Either of those will be acceptable. Suffering or persecution. Uh, number seven, uh, they accepted the gospel and lived it out. Something to that effect. Doesn't have to be exact those words, but something to the fact that they accepted the gospel and they lived it out. And question number eight, Satan is the answer in question number eight. So, um, I don't know, there are a lot of easy ones there, but I guess we'll leave it the same. Ten and under, four right, over ten, eight right. All 100%. So, if those who mark your paper give you those kind of marks, then you are eligible to come up here and get a prize from me after the service is over. So, let's close in prayer. Lord God, I just want to thank you that we are able to be together and thank you for your word that was preached to us. Help us to take it to heart and take it with us as we go from here. And Lord, this coming week, we don't know what's going on, but Lord, we ask that you would help us to live it out in light of what we heard here this morning. So dismiss us now with your blessing. We pray in your name.